Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 4th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us again today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The Court of Appeal ruled that an emotional distress tort claim brought by an employee was not barred by the Workers' Compensation Exclusive Remedy Doctrine. Here's what happened in the unpublished opinion of Blumenfeld versus Qualcomm. Deborah Blumenfeld alleged that Jeffrey Tangi, her supervisor at Qualcomm, subjected her to unwelcome sexual comments, inappropriate touching, and battery. She also claims that Tangi intimidated her in an effort to prevent her from complaining about his behavior. She alleged that he had influence with the Human Resources Department and was privy to information provided to them by employees under his supervision. She endured his treatment until she reached a breaking point which forced her to go out on disability leave for serious mental and emotional health problems. Blumenfeld alleged Qualcomm was aware of Tangi's conduct but did nothing to intervene until she and other employees complained to Human Resources notwithstanding Tangi's warnings and threats. Qualcomm denied the allegations and brought a motion for summary judgment. Qualcomm argued that Blumenfeld and the other employees Tagney supervised never complained, even though there were confidential ways to do so. Blumenfeld never sought a transfer to a different position. Instead, the employer said that Blumenfeld and the other employees Tagney supervised raved about him in performance reviews submitted confidentially to his supervisor. Blumenfeld referred to Tagney in these reviews as an outstanding manager and a great mentor. The court granted Qualcomm's motion for summary judgment and dismissed Blumenfeld's claims based upon the exclusivity provisions of the Workers' Compensation Act. The Court of Appeal, in an unpublished opinion, reversed. They concluded that Blumenfeld's cause of action for intentional infliction of emotional distress was not subject to the exclusivity provisions of the workers' compensation law. Such a claim, if based upon the employer's harassment or discrimination, is founded upon actions that are outside the normal part of the employment environment. However, the court further ruled that claims for assault and battery, even when brought in conjunction with a viable claim for discrimination or harassment, are barred by workers' compensation exclusivity. Ventura County will be paid $1.65 million in a legal settlement with an arm of insurance giant AIG. The deal approved by the County Board of Supervisors stems from a dispute over workers' compensation payments made to injured employees. County officials said the county con contracted with National Union Fire Insurance Company to pay claims for employees injured between 1975 and 1995. The insurer argued that Ventura County had to start reimbursing the company after it paid out $20 million in claims. The county contended that the carrier was wrong and that the ceiling was $22.8 million instead. The company said the higher amount was a typographical error in the contract. Ventura County sued the carrier in federal court and recently won a court ruling which prompted this settlement.
And now our fraud report. Six individuals, including claims adjusters, were arrested for allegedly conducting an elaborate $1.5 million scheme to defraud the workers' compensation system. According to investigators, Christian Uriel Ramirez Ochoa and his brother, Hugo Emmanuel Ramirez Ochoa, worked at TriStar Insurance Group. They were employed as claims adjusters and were responsible for administering workers' compensation claims for Los Angeles County employees injured on the job. Their bro brothers purportedly referred transportation and investigative business to three transportation companies, Transco Transportation Inc., Universal Transportation Services, and Paramount Transportation Services, and to one private investigative firm, on-call investigation services. Those companies then allegedly subcontracted the transportation services to other vendors. The vendors that performed the services charged a fee of $200 to $300. These companies would allegedly submit invoices to the County of Los Angeles for $750 and pocket the difference. Their father, also a TriStar Insurance Group employee, processed the fraudulent billings. The four companies are owned by his family members. The referral of business to family members and to <clears throat> their personally owned businesses is a direct violation of the California Labor Code. This investigation further revealed that all three men allegedly used the identities, including driver's licenses and social security numbers of other individuals in order to obtain employment with TriStar. Investigators claim that the transportation and investigative referrals were unwarranted and or services were never rendered. The loss to the County of Los Angeles is estimated at more than $1.5 million. Bail was set at $1.5 million for each suspect. If convicted, each faces between eight to nine years in state prison. The case is being prosecuted by the Los Angeles County District Attorney's Office. An LAPD police officer has been accused of engaging in workers' compensation fraud. Officer Robert Yanez, who was assigned to the LAPD Wilshire Division, is charged with six felony counts. The charges stem from a work-related injury sustained in October 2008. Despite being ordered to return to work by a physician the day after the injury, prosecutors said Yanaz began seeing a series of doctors moving from one to another after each sent him back to work. An investigation revealed that the officer submitted forged or altered doctor's notes that allowed him to remain on disability. The alleged offenses involve a loss of more than $7,000. Yanez is being held on $30,000 bail. If convicted, he faces a maximum sentence of seven years in state prison. California Department of Insurance detectives arrested a Modesto motel owner for alleged workers' compensation insurance fraud. Mohammed Hassan Raza was arrested at his place of business, the Vagabond Inn in Modesto. He was booked into the Stanislaus County Jail. Raza is part owner of the Vagabond Inn in Modesto. In 2009, one of the Vagabond Inn employees was the victim of a sexual assault while working. Raza told the worker that the injury was covered by a policy with first comp. 
Unfortunately, that policy had been canceled due to non-payment of premium. The injured employee then received treatments through her private health insurance plan and Raza paid for the ambulance bill and some of the other co-payments and bills. The injured employee retained an attorney and ultimately filed a claim with the Department of Industrial Relations Uninsured Employers Fund. Raza admitted to detectives that he knew he was supposed to have workers' compensation insurance and that he did not have insurance at the time of the injury. This case is being prosecuted by the Stanislaus County District Attorney's Office. Bail has been set at $15,000. If convicted, Raza may be sentenced to up to five years in state prison and be fined up to $50,000. And now our legislative report. A new law in California is aimed at facilitating workers' compensation fraud investigations. SB 156 adds Section 1879.1 to the Insurance Code, which authorizes the insurance commissioner to convene meetings with representatives of insurance companies to discuss insurance fraud. The new law specifies that information shared at those meetings will not make meeting participants subject to civil liability. This immunity only applies when the commissioner or his deputy is present and advises meeting participants of guidelines to ensure compliance with federal and state antitrust laws. The Advisory Task Force on Insurance Fraud of the Department of Insurance recommended this new law in 2008 when they issued a report on reducing insurance fraud in California. The language of this law, as introduced, was based on the Model Act of the National Association of Insurance Commissioners. However, amendments to the original bill specify that only the insurance commissioner may call the meeting instead of both the insurance commissioner or a district attorney. The Consumer Attorneys of California opposed the bill, claiming it was unnecessary and overbroad. Despite their objections, the California legislature approved and the governor signed SB 156 into law. It will become effective on January 1. Assembly Joint Resolution 42 unanimously passed the California legislature and was supported by a broad coalition of business groups, public entities, and advocates for accident victims. The resolution calls upon the U.S. Congress and President Barack Obama to enact H.R. 4796, the Medicare Secondary Payer Enhancement Act of 2010. The resolution was sponsored by Pacific Comp, who claims that Medicare secondary, secondary payer issues are an emerging cost driver. The California resolution is part of a national effort spearheaded by the Medicare Advocacy Recovery Coalition to get H.R. 4796 to President Obama's desk this year. H.R. 4796 proposes several changes to the Medicare Secondary Payer Act and to the reporting requirements under Section 111. The objective of H.R. 4796 is to establish a fair and prompt process for all concerned. There should be no unnecessary delays in the resolution of claims. Without H.R. 4796, the Medicare set-aside process creates significant uncertainty, unpredictability, cost inflation, and delays in the claims settlement process. 
It is not likely that the California resolution will have any impact this year on federal legislators who are now preoccupied with the November election. Governor Schwarzenegger vetoed SB 145, a proposed law that would have limited apportionment based upon causation. This bill appeared to be an anti-discrimination law, but had the effect of limiting the ability to obtain apportionment based upon risk factors, such as age, gender, or genetic predisposition. Had this bill become law, apportionment of disability based upon commonly accepted degenerative processes would have been precluded. This bill was listed on the California Chamber of Commerce website as one of the 12 job killer bills that passed the legislature this year. In the veto letter to the governor sent to the legislature, he pointed out that this measure was similar to Senate Bill 1115, which he vetoed last year. The governor claims the proposed law would significantly undermine the state's workers' compensation apportionment reforms of 2004. For these reasons, he claimed he was unable to sign this bill. Schwarzenegger also vetoed a proposed law that would have required UR physicians to have a California medical license. A spokesman for the American Insurance Association thanked the governor for vetoing a bill that would have added additional treatment costs and delays. The association also claimed the bill would have done nothing to improve the actual treatment of workers. This is because medical guidelines are generally consistent across all 50 states. Assemblyman Paul Fong authored the bill. He said the bill was aimed at increasing transparency and boosting protections for workers. He noted that California is the only state that requires doctors to obtain 12 hours of special education on pain management. The California Chamber of Commerce was also against the bill. The chamber argued that there is no evidence that care to injured workers would be improved by the proposed law. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation made some non-substantive changes and technical corrections to the MPN regulations. These changes were approved by the Office of Administrative Law and filed with the Secretary of State on September 23rd. These changes and other new notice provisions become effective on October 8th. Employers should make sure they are using the correct forms and notices by the state. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone or iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us, and please watch us again next week for more news.